I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to another edition of the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Tuesday, February the 16th, 2021. And on today's edition of the John Clay Podcast, we're going to preview the Kentucky Vanderbilt basketball game, which is Wednesday night to 7 o'clock start down in Nashville at Memorial Gym. The SEC Network has the coverage. To get the Vanderbilt scouting report, I talked with Chad Bishop, who writes for Vanderbilt Athletics. And for the UK perspective, I talked to my old friend Tom Leach, the voice of the Wildcats. I talked to Tom about not only the UK basketball team and the Vanderbilt game on Wednesday, but I also talked about Tom to Tom about the challenges that uh, the UK broadcast team has faced this year, both in football and basketball in this pandemic and COVID-19 year. We talked a lot about that. Tom had some interesting things to say about what's gone on with the broadcast team this year. So, So without any further ado, we'll first have Chad Bishop of Vanderbilt Athletics to talk about the Commodores who have been playing better of late. This will be a tough game for Kentucky on Wednesday night. And then we'll get into my conversation with Tom Leach. Okay, my guest on the podcast is Chad Bishop, who writes for Vanderbilt University Athletics. How's it going, Chad? It's going great, John. Just uh, like we were saying, it's it's very cold and snowy down here in Nashville, which is rare, but it should be some... (laughs) If I could use an old, old, terrible newspaper lead, right? It's cold outside, but the shooting will be hot inside. There you go. There you go. Yeah, we were talking about that before before I hit the record button. Kentucky went down early to try to escape the weather here, uh, but uh, Nashville, uh, they're not used to the snow down there, are they? No, not at all. I haven't uh, hardly seen another human soul out. I hope the Wildcats are staying close to the to Memorial so they can walk over because I don't know <laughs> if the bus will be able, be able to make it down the street. But really? uh, should, wow. should be should be should be cleared up by Wednesday morning, afternoon, and evening. So I, I don't think there'll be any problems. Yeah, yeah. Well, this should be an interesting game. Vanderbilt, of course, is, is struggled, but they seem to be playing playing much better of late. Uh, am I right about that? How, how have the Commodores been doing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you look at the record, you say two and eight, and I'm not going to make any, um, you know, try to sugarcoat this and say they're a good basketball team. But, you know, you look at their losses and, um, you know, lose to South Carolina by 12, lose to Georgia by three, Auburn six at Kentucky earlier in the year, which we saw a three point loss, lost to Mississippi State by three. Uh, And they've had their bad nights where they've been blown out. But a lot of these losses have been close. Uh, and then you look at the games they've won, you know, beat South Carolina and just coming off that big 21 point win at, at Mississippi State, which is one of their biggest conference wins in years. Um, and, and they just they're just a team that really hasn't really lost uh, the sense of who they are and really hasn't gotten off course. They've they've stayed the course. 
Uh, they've stayed confident. They've continued to work hard. Uh, they haven't given up on their coach or each other. They know they're young. They know they've dealt with injuries and COVID issues just like everyone else has. And they pretty much have their full roster back now. And, and that showed that that went at Mississippi State because um, they, they were all there. They all executed to a tee, made a ton of threes, uh, played a little bit better defense that they've been playing. And um, certainly a dangerous team if they can keep that going. I know they shot the ball really well in Starkville, especially in the first half. Uh, that had to be a, a, be a definite plus for them. Yeah, you know, offense for this Vanderbilt team, especially under Jerry Stackhouse, has never really been that big of an issue. And, and Wildcat fans have seen that over the last couple of years. I mean, the Commodores have been able to put the ball in the basket. They have a lot of options offensively. This year, you know, frustratingly for them has been the defensive letdowns. <clears throat> Excuse me, Jerry Stackhouse you know, really hangs his hat on defense and want his guys to be one of the better defensive teams in the league. And you go look at those numbers against SEC competition. I mean, it's it's not surprising to see an opponent, you know, shoot 50, 60 percent against the Commodores. But uh, in that game against Mississippi State, that was kind of the, the case in the first half. But in the second half, uh, the Bulldogs kind of fell off and that allowed Vanderbilt to kind of run away with the game. And so that, you know, that's kind of the M.O. for Vanderbilt basketball. They're going to put up some points. They're going to make a bunch of threes. If they can defend just a little bit, they got a good chance of winning when the game's over. You mentioned about that the you know that the players are playing hard, haven't given up on the coach and each other. Uh, to me, that speaks well of what Stackhouse has been able to do there. Because when you look at a team that started, I guess one in eight in the conference, especially during a pandemic season, it'd be pretty easy to throw in the towel and say, okay, it's just not our year. But they haven't seen they haven't done that. Yeah, I don't I don't think Jerry Stackhouse would would really ever allow his kids to do that. I mean, I think he's you know, I think the the term players coach is definitely cliche, but but he really is. I mean, he, he's a guy that played in the NBA. He's he's coached in the G League and in the NBA and AAU basketball. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's really, really into player development and being completely honest with the guys and where they stand and, and really critiquing them hard, but also letting them know what they're doing well and, and what their role is. And um, you know, you see that night in and night out that these guys are, whether they're playing three minutes or 33 minutes, I mean, they're, they're playing really hard. They're sticking to the game plan. Like I mentioned earlier, a lot of them know that it's been a weird season for everyone. Um, you know, injuries, COVID, canceled games, um, games that were not scheduled that all of a sudden are scheduled and, and just all these things that they're dealing with. And, and they know that, you know, at the end of the year, there's a tournament, you know, hopefully that everybody's going to be a part of that they can maybe make a run. So, um, and, and again, and they're a very youthful team. I mean, a, again, this year, the seniors that they have, uh, Maxwell Evan and Cleavon Brown, um, th- those are really the only two. And, and the star players are sophomores and Dylan Disu and, and Scotty Pippen. So they, they know that, you know, their time is coming, maybe not this season, maybe next season. Uh, so they're just kind of sticking to it and, and playing as hard as they can. So who is playing well? Who should Kentucky fans look for for in this game? I know they've seen Vanderbilt, as you mentioned earlier in the year, where Kentucky was able to pull out a, a close win. But who, who's playing well for Vandy right now? I'm going to talk about those seniors. You know, everybody knows about Scotty Pippen Jr. and Dylan Dissou. The, the, the Vanderbilt basketball game certainly runs to those two sophomores, Dylan Dissou in the post and Scotty Pippen at the point guard. But but Maxwell Evans, uh, a shooting guard, has really played well of late. And, and we have a stat that we've worked up. When, when Vanderbilt wins, Maxwell Evans is averaging about 11 points a game. And when they lose, uh, he's averaging about four or five points in the Stackhouse era. So if he gets hot, he scored 20 at Mississippi State, and Mississippi State had no answer. Um, if he can really get going from, from three, 
um, you know, watch out because that's really Vanderbilt's third scoring option that they need. And if he's making baskets, it's really hard to guard him and Scottie Pippen and Dylan DeSue at the same time. The other guy I'll talk about is, is Cleavon Brown. You know, he came back for another season as a, as a senior. Uh, he's battled injuries his entire career. But, you know, last game at Mississippi State, five steals, was in double-figure scoring. He's a guy that can block shots. He's in the top six all-time in Vanderbilt history for, for blocking shots. Um, and, you know, Jerry Stackhouse said the other day, he kind of joked, those guys, they see the end. You know, the end is near for those two players, and they're really starting to play some good basketball. And if they bring it Wednesday night, that's going to be huge for Vanderbilt because time and time again, Scotty Pippen and Dylan DeSue, uh, have played very, very well, but haven't gotten any help. But when they start getting help like they did Saturday at Mississippi State out of Cleveland Brown and Maxwell Evans, that's when they're really dangerous. So is there any, you mentioned those things that they have to do. Anything else that you think Vandini has to do uh, Wednesday night to beat Kentucky? Well, you know, it goes without saying that, like I said earlier, they, they, they just have to play better defense. <clears throat> Excuse me again. They they just, time and time again against these SEC teams, uh, I don't know whether it's um, everybody just has extra confidence when they play the Commodores or it's just been a little bit of luck, uh, but everybody seems to be shooting the ball extremely well against Vanderbilt. And if the Commodores uh, can just lock down defensively, look, look at the game against Auburn uh, recently, they held Auburn to 23 points in the first half uh, and held Sharif Cooper down to almost nothing. And then in the second half, the bottom fell out and, and Vanderbilt is almost like they forgot to play defense. So if they if they can put 40 minutes, maybe even 38 or 39 minutes of a really stingy defensive effort together, they'll be fine. It's just something they haven't been able to do consistently this season. Um, so to me, it just really comes down to defense because I'm always confident that this Vanderbilt team can can score and put up points and find a way under Jerry Stackhouse to run some plays to put the ball in the basket. But if they don't defend Kentucky, it's not going to matter. Uh, Chad, I'd be remiss before I let you go if I didn't ask you about your new football coach, uh, Clark Lee. What, how, what's he, how's he been doing so far? What's been the reaction there to uh, having him on board? Yeah, it, it's been great. It's 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 been different and interesting to say the least. I mean, clearly, you know, Clark Lee is kind of a different personality and maybe a different mindset than Derek Mason. Not to say one is better than the other. They're just right. they're just different guys. And uh, Clark Lee's come in. He's he's been a little bit more quiet, a little bit more behind the scenes. He's been very methodical in putting his staff together. It took him really about a month or a month and a half to get his full staff in. And, and um, you know, I had a chance to, to recently sit down with him one-on-one and kind of talk about how things are going. And um, he's, he's, he's finally getting settled in. And now they're kind of in that transition between getting that staff, um, you know, in-house and now looking forward to spring practice, which they hope to start in March. But um, he, he's been good. He's, he's a guy that um, I think is thinking very, very long-term. Kind of reminds me, you know, maybe of Coach Stoops up there in Lexington where – he knows this is not going to they're not going to be a 10 win 10 win team next season probably aren't going to be a bowl bowl team next season but kind of looking at the long term goals of the team and um you know there was a, a little picture that went viral this week him and uh, defensive line coach Javon Hay were out on the practice field shoveling snow off the star V to make sure that logo wasn't so it's it's kind of those little things. That's kind of his mo. He's got a little Tim Corbin, the baseball coach, in him, um, and so it's it's going to be interesting to see what he does in this first year with the Commodores because it's it's kind of a it's it's undoubtedly a new era down here in Nashville. Yeah, he's a Vanderbilt guy, so I would think you know he knows the situation. I, I would think that would help him. 
Absolutely. You know, he, he, he went to Montgomery Bell Academy, which is right down the street from Vanderbilt. He went on to play baseball for a couple of years, ended up transferring back to Vanderbilt to be a fullback, a walk-on fullback. Uh, he told Jim Rome the other day he, he was a fullback because basically they didn't have one, to be honest. So <laughs> he joined the team as a walk-on fullback and it turned to be a formative, you know, turn in his life. And, um, you know, he's learned from Rick Neuheisel and Dave Clawson and Brian Kelly Um, you know, he, he learned from Bobby Johnson when he was a player and he's just had a bunch of, bunch of formative coaches around him of who, who've kind of shaped who he is. And you're right. Coming back to Vanderbilt, you know, he, he knows, he knows what the deal is. He knows what he's getting himself into and, and he thinks, and I think everyone thinks that's really going to help him kind of mold this new era of Vanderbilt football. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be good. It'd be very interesting to see, uh, when football season rolls around, but we got the basketball game on Wednesday night, Kentucky and Vanderbilt there in Memorial gym, seven o'clock, uh, Chad, remind the listeners how they can follow you online, both the uh, Twitter and, uh, find your coverage there, uh, on the Vanderbilt site. Absolutely. It's uh, just at Mr. Chad Bishop on Twitter and uh, VUCommodores.com for all your Vanderbilt coverage needs. Well, good luck to you uh, getting around in the snow there at, uh, there in Nashville. Hopefully by uh, game time, they'll have things cleared up there where people can get around and uh, get. Are they allowing fans into the games? I read something about, their, about the students in Vandy for this game. Yeah. Yeah, Vanderbilt has been has been very stringent. This is an all sports, all season long, and, and kind of a limited attendance. It's it's mostly been family members and and um, you know immediate members of staff, um, immediate family members of staff for Wednesday's game and possibly moving forward after that, it'll be uh, students who are seniors at Vanderbilt. And I think I think the number is somewhere around 100, 120 of them really? will be allowed in. Uh, and obviously, very you know incredibly spaced out in Memorial Gymnasium, but you know, again, with the weather, I yeah, don't know knows. how many are, are able to put on their snowshoes and track across <laughs> campus. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Well, Chad, as always, thanks for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. All right. Great talking to you. Okay. Thanks to Chad Bishop of Vanderbilt Athletics. And we'll be right back with Tom Leach, the voice of the Wildcats. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is the voice of the Wildcats and my old friend Tom Leach. How you doing, Tom? I am uh, hanging in there in this. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like uh, I told my family last night. It's like God said, "Okay, you guys are getting a little bored with COVID. Let me throw a storm at you, <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll just cover the whole country with it." <laughs> That's right. We'll we'll add something else to the plate uh, for you. Now, are you Kentucky plays Vanderbilt on uh, Wednesday night down at uh, Nashville? The team has already gone down there. I wanted to ask before we talk about the game. I wanted to ask you what what has this year been like for? Well, both in football for you and Jeff Pecoro and basketball for you and Mike Pratt. How much have you guys traveled on the road? I mean, what just what's it been like? Well, we'll start with football, and that was a little more normal. Normally we would uh, be on the, the team plane down and, and back, and so we didn't do that because of the COVID issues. So we drove to all of the road games. Uh, so it was kind of like uh, a little bit like the the old days in doing this job back when uh, at the end of uh, Kaywood's 
uh, time and then I think through most of Ralph's time and the early part of my time is uh, doing UK football. Um, they had a, an advertiser who uh, was a motorhome company and we had uh, guy was the stat guy who liked to drive the motorhome. So uh, we drove to all the games in a big motorhome. It was actually, you know, like a guy's road trip. It was fun. So uh, <laughs> we, we, we just had a normal sized vehicle, but uh, we did uh, drive to all of the road games except the Florida game. We did fly commercial there. Mm-hmm. And then for the bowl game, uh, we flew commercial and then actually flew home on the team plane because they were done with games at that point. Didn't have to worry about uh, anything. And we'd actually all we'd actually all gotten infected with COVID in November. Had you really? <laughs> uh, yes, the whole crew. Uh, we we think maybe on the Missouri trip, but we're not sure. But anyway, I was supposed to work Breeders' Cup, and um, which was the week of the open date right. for football team. And on the day after, I guess it was the Georgia game, I had to get tested out at Keelan for working at Breeders' Cup that week. And I got a call from the health department the next day when it showed up on my phone. I was like, "Uh oh!" <laughs> and so I, I did called, not know that. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I called the rest of our guys, and they all got tested, and they had it. So wow. uh, we all had it during the open date. So that's why it kind of went mostly unnoticed. And uh, uh, so I was uh, out that week and missed a couple of coaches' shows. Was all, but didn't miss any games because it was the open date. Um, but I did miss a Breeders' Cup assignment. And so we just drove to all of the road games, and um, um, the Jeff and Dick Gabriel and I and a, a longtime friend of mine, uh, Paul Hurst, who's my spotter, and the four of us would load up. Sometimes our engineer, Daryl Doss, uh, was with us as well. So that was football. Basketball, the SEC implemented the policy. There would be no visiting radio uh, into any of the arenas to try to – at the number of people in arenas. And uh, so we have, uh, Mike and I have done all of the basketball games uh, in a, um, a studio, well, I'll say a studio, just a, a conference room that they set up for us at Memorial Coliseum. So we've got a oh, big okay. screen TV and uh, the UK video guys uh, hook up, coordinate with the, the, whoever the TV provider is, and we get um, a feed from the arena of uh, what they call the effects feed where you get sounds. Uh, sometimes, you know, ideally it's just the sounds of the game. Sometimes on the ESPN game, we're getting the, you know, the little bumper music in and out of commercials or, you know, promos and things. And so our engineer, Jim Barner, has to uh, uh, listen for that and, and turn it down if we're getting that. Right. Uh, a couple of times we've lost the feed completely for <laughs> only for a couple of minutes, fortunately. Uh, but that's happened, I think, twice. Uh, and so you just have to roll with the punches. Right. We just kind of tell everybody up front, you know, like we're, we're watching on TV, and then, you know, sometimes depending on the TV feed, uh, yeah, ideally it's you know focus on the game. But depending on, I guess, who the director is, or you know what you know what the setup is with what level of the ESPN hierarchy has the game, um, sometimes it'll it'll be like watching a game if you were in the arena almost, mm-hmm. and other times. You know, you'll know there's action going on, and they've got a tight shot of John Calipari coaching on the sideline. <laughs> All I can right. really comment on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or, as they seem to do more early in the year, they would have, you know, you'd have a uh, 
little box with the with the floor shot of the floor where they're talking to some yeah. other guest who really doesn't have anything to do with the game. Uh, they, yes. they they've gotten a luckily it seems like the season's gone on they've gotten away from that. Uh, but uh, so, we still complain. I made, I made kind of a made a commitment to myself at the beginning of this because back at, you know before football started we were didn't know if we were gonna you know number one have games and number mm-hmm. two you know, get to do them right. or you know football we were on site for all of them. Uh, I thought I'm just I'm gonna do my best not to complain. Uh, just roll <laughs> right. with the punches. Be right. glad I'm getting a paycheck. And, right. uh, yeah, it's all you can do. Uh, well, what what are the challenges of of doing a game that you're not there, especially for a radio guy where you you're you're supposed to describe the play by play. You know, TV guys can you know let the audience watch you know a good bit of it, and then you know they come in with their you know, play-by-play and analysis, but you guys are supposed to be describing it for an audience that's uh, a lot of the audience anyway, who's not, who's not actually watching the game. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, we get a, a feed where it, it stays on the action. Right. Um, it's some, sometimes uh, where they cut to a, what they call a cutaway shot and hold it for a little while. Um, you know, there's been a couple of times, you know, if it's just a few seconds, you'll kind of, uh, well, you know, you can, what we call tap dance a little bit. You can mm-hmm. fill with a, a stat or some right. something, uh, and then. But if it lingers, uh, I've had to say a couple of times. Well, folks, we're watching on TV just like you, and they're showing <laughs> me a shot of John Calipari. So I really can't tell you right. a whole lot more at this moment. Hang right. with us just a second. Uh, probably affects Mike a little more because as an analyst, uh, you uh, like I'm following the ball, so at least the camera's mostly going to follow the ball. Right. And uh, you know, Mike can't see as many things as he can in the arena. Uh, there've been times where, uh, they called, I remember one of the games, there was a technical foul called and they had a, uh, the camera focused on a player. And we assumed initially that the technical had been called on the player and actually been called on a coach. Yeah. So things like that. We have a feed. You've probably seen these, uh, stat cast or something. I forget what it's called feed, yeah. uh, where they type up, it's got the box scores yeah. and then, uh, stats and then also a running, um, play by play, uh, log play by play yeah, of yeah. what's happening, and so um, you know you can look at that to to make sure about a foul or on that technical situation. Sometimes you can catch up that way, or on the couple of occasions where we've lost the feed, I've actually just had to go to that uh-huh. to describe a little bit of the action because, uh, and this is the the challenge when people always talk about you know syncing up the radio call to TV, and right. you know it's. Uh, there's so many different ways people are getting the TV signal now versus 30, 40 years ago. So that the game where we lost the feed, well, I immediately grabbed my phone and punched up an app and the app that I was watching, it was like 30 seconds behind what we had been watching on the TV. So I was, (laughs) what I was seeing, I'd already called. So that wasn't helpful. So, um, you know, it's Man. all kinds of curveballs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very confusing. Uh, I don't see how you keep it all straight. It'd be hard to do. Uh, well, Tom, from time to time, you have me on your radio show, which is on from nine to ten on uh, WLAP in Lexington and uh, ten eighty in Louisville, right? Right, and I got about twenty five or so stations uh, elsewhere around the state, and it's on the iHeartRadio app. Right. So, plenty of ways to find us. Right. And Tom asked me about what I think about this Kentucky basketball team, so I'm going to turn the turn the tables on him. What, what about this Kentucky team? And and 
And from a broadcasting standpoint, how I mean, we haven't seen anything like this before. Uh, what, what's it been like for you uh, broadcasting this team? Yeah, it's been, um, especially recently, it's not like they're you know losing by large right. margins. Even the games where it was a double digit, like the Tennessee game, for instance, they were ahead right. uh, with about you know, what, seven, eight minutes to go, so or maybe a little more, but you know, games, they were, they've been in almost every game. I think, uh, the last 17, a stat I saw from UK, uh, 11 of them had been a one possession game in the final four minutes. Right. So, you know, I understand what Cal says in terms of, you know, they're close, but at some point, you know, you, you've actually got to break through and, and get a few wins. They finally did last Saturday against Auburn. So right. hopefully that gives them a little momentum, but you know, they, they, um, are, uh, had, had you know they have some flaws. Mike has thought from the beginning that the pieces really didn't fit together uh, great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think ideal. You know, they were trying to get Cade Cunningham at the point, and then uh, they uh, may try to get Sharif Cooper. I think they were maybe the runner up there. Right. A, a great point guard um, would have, uh, I think, made a good bit of difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin. Uh, had his ups and downs early, has been a little more steady of late. You know, he was a guy who reclassified, and he uh, may turn out to be uh, the answer, you know, over the course of, of time, not just this season, but, but future seasons. But he it was a big ask to uh, to make that adjustment. And so, you you know, if they'd gotten Cade Cunningham, you know, my, the, the pieces had suddenly fit together a lot better. Um, so they had that they were dealing with from the start, and then, you know, I look at it now. Um, I mentioned this to Cal on, on the radio show the other night. That I went back and looked at 2018. I'd actually forgotten this. That at this point on the calendar, they were six and seven. They lost four straight league games and like six out of eight in a run. And they were six and seven. If this team beats Vanderbilt, they'll be six and seven. Right. And so that team went on and made it to the Sweet 16, won the SEC tournament. And you know that seems. It, it seems like the perception uh, of what I recall what it was then, it, it seems like a, a bigger hurdle, it feels like, for this team, and yet the numbers are the same. So right. like we were talking about with football, where you had an all-SEC schedule versus what it normally looked like and how their five- and six-year might have been an eight- and four-year normally. You know, if you had six or seven uh, what would likely have been uh, easy wins in November – and you know this team's record would be a little better. And the other thing, other way to think about it is, move the calendar back seven or eight games. Those seven or eight games in November. You know, the way we're seeing this team play right now, if it was mid-January and not right. mid-February, right? Uh, you know, you'd feel uh, a good bit different. So, you know, I think they've had some of those uh, issues going on, and uh, I do think they're they're starting to to uh, find a little bit of an identity right now and unfortunately with the way the circumstances of this year they're really in a position where they'll you know have to hope it can carry them through uh, the sec tournament and get a win you know win that and get a, an ncaa bid that way right you, you mentioned you mentioned doing uh, coach calipari's show uh you know with john what, what how do you feel what has john been any different this year with you guys than he is normally because of the season he's having? I mean, what? how, how do you feel like he's handled this? Because he, I mean, he was, and as he pointed this out the other day, he was a very young coach when he's had his only uh, 
losing season as a college head coach, which was his first year at UMass. You know, he said the other day, I'm, you know, I'm going through this for the first time as well. I'm trying to figure things out as well. What do, what do you think about how he's handled this? Yeah, I think he's, he's, uh, I think he would acknowledge he has struggled yeah. uh, with dealing with this. And uh, kind of back to what I was saying, you know, if you had those uh, seven or eight more games, uh, yeah. I think you'd, it'd feel a little different at this point. And again, if it was, you know, earlier in the season where you were starting to figure it out, I've seen, you know, his team's, you know, really the 2011 team, it was later than this before they right. really started Absolutely. to gel. But they had accomplished, um, you know, more than enough to, to right. be able to know that they were going to be in the tournament. Um, so, you know, the thing that's different as far as doing the, the shows with Cal is that, uh, you know, he, he's, as far as, you know, asking him anything, there's never, never, never been any problem with that it, during the whole time. But it's different because uh, for the Monday night show, um, he – does it on on the phone and he, that was his plan from the beginning because of covid and trying to do everything possible to avoid you know interaction with anybody who could you know cause it to be passed along to the team and the program so i don't you know there's just body language and you know cal can can be a little verbose at times yes. and so i can you know give him a little cue to wrap it up or he can tell <laughs> by my body language we need to hit to a break or whatever you can't do any of that when right. you're uh, talking on the phone <laughs> So, you know, and you can't read his body language and, uh, you know, or, or, you know, chat during a commercial break to, you know, follow up on something. Or maybe you pick up something that can be useful in a broadcast. So none of that gets to happen. And then our uh, pre and post games are done on the phone. So, again, there's no, you know, that one-on-one interaction, same way for you guys, uh, you know, doing that with players where you'd much prefer to be there interacting in person than having to do it through a Zoom call. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's it's those little pieces, you know, missing out on. You're you're exactly right. I mean, because that, like after a game, we would get three play home game. You get three players in the back of the press room there, and you can go from player to player. You might ask, there's a play you want to write about or something you want to write about. You can get three different opinions or three different views on it. Now you just get the one or sometimes two after the game. Uh, it's harder to well, answer follow up questions, that sort of thing. That's just part of it. And sometimes back then where that media setup is, it's right next to the opposing team's locker. So I've seen right. time for the opposing coach or a player right. and, you know, a, a good quote or story comes out of, of that. And exactly. So there's not that interaction or, you know, some media guys in town, uh, you know, Jay Billis is doing a game and you talk to him. None right. of that stuff happens no. now under these conditions. No, that's true. That's very true. Well, okay, so what about the game on Wednesday night against Vanderbilt? Do you feel like that the win Saturday against Auburn? And I'm like you. I think they have – I agree with Cal. Cal said they've played better over the last three weeks, but they needed to get a reward. They just hadn't gotten a reward, and they finally got it at Auburn. Is that the thing you think they needed to kind of spur them on the rest of the year? I mean, to me, the schedule – I mean, it's uh, – obviously, Tennessee's a tough game. you got Florida coming in here. But I think it's manageable – uh, the rest of the way. What, what do you think about this team, both Wednesday night and the rest of the way? I said on on my show on Tuesday morning that we thought they'd broken through with the win at Florida. Right. And then they come back and lose three straight. And then we thought, well, the LSU game, that was a good team that they beat soundly. Right. And thought, okay, they've, you know, they've, they had a little detour off the path, but they're back on it now. And then they lost four in a row, albeit to, you know, very highly regarded teams right. as far as, you know, probably, top four or five seeds for the NCAA tournament. Nevertheless, uh, they did lose them. So now they get the breakthrough win, win a close game. So is this 
going to get them rolling. And, you know, I, I, I can't tell you for sure that it will. I, right. I certainly feel like they're playing, um, even though they've lost these four games, you know, when they, when they um, had the LSU and the uh, uh, Florida wins, I feel like this Auburn win has been a stretch of playing better, even though they lost to Arkansas and Tennessee and Missouri and, and Alabama. I thought they played uh, well enough to win uh, in all of those games. And had they won even just a couple, they'd, they'd probably still have an outside shot at an at-large bid. So, you know, they've got a breakthrough and uh, now try to build on it. You and I are old enough to go back to uh, 76, uh, back when the NIT still meant a lot more. Right. And um, they had to – that team, um, I think, had an injury to Rick Roby, and so they right. looked like they were going nowhere. And they ended up winning the last, I think, six or seven games of the regular season. And had they lost any of them, they wouldn't have gotten an NIT bid. But they won them all, and then they went up to New York and, and won the NIT, and it turned out to be a really memorable season. So, right. you know, this week, if they could win Vandy and Tennessee – that would, I think, make a, a statement. Uh, Tennessee's a big ask, obviously, but uh, or bigger ask. I mean, heck, heck, they were life and death to beat Vanderbilt here. Right. So, uh, I guess the challenge is they've got to. It's got to be the Missouri approach. You got to show me. You, right. you got to go out and do it. But if they could win these two this week in particular, or certainly get the one on on Wednesday and then play well at Tennessee, and then if you said the, the schedule's favorable next week, they have two home games and. Uh, A&M and a Florida team they've already beaten, uh, that they've got a chance when you look at that schedule to build a little bit of momentum heading into the SEC tournament. And then, you know, they uh, it's uh, a big ask for a team that hasn't won lots of games in succession. Right. But um, they, um, you know, have played well enough in these, these last five games against the best teams in the league to where you wouldn't write them off in any right. matchup. Right. No, I agree. I mean, I, I kind of wrote earlier this week, I think it's Alabama and everybody else in the league. I mean, you've got Alabama on top of three games, I think, in the loss column, but everybody else is pretty much bunched together because so many teams have been right. inconsistent. And I think probably the pandemic has something to do with that. They look great one week. Missouri is the only team to beat Alabama, and they turn around and lose two in a row. Uh, you know, it's just been and, that you know, kind Tennessee of year. lost twice at home. Right. I mean, that's, that's where I think, you know, they, Kentucky would have a, a shot if they beat Vandy. You know, you got to have yeah. a – Right. A little bit of uh, you don't want to give back the momentum you just got, but no. you know uh, the Vandy game. I think UK had the stat in the notes that something like the last seven or eight games, Vandy's had an, at least a nine-point lead at some right. point in every one of them. So, um, right. you know, and yet Kentucky's eight and two in uh, Memorial Gymnasium under Calipari yeah. for all right. the Memorial Magic talk. So, right. um, you know, it's just they got to go out and um, and um, they're playing better. Uh, and so I understand Cal, where Cal's coming from in terms of being close, but they, you know, they're, they played themselves into a spot where they really have no margin for error. Yeah. And you, you know, while they could win the SEC tournament if they go, you know, two and four down the stretch or something, it's hard to imagine that you would win the SEC tournament without some kind of momentum going right. into it. Right. That's right. Well, it starts Wednesday. This final stretch run starts Wednesday night in Nashville, uh, Kentucky and Vanderbilt, 7 o'clock. Tom and Mike will – so you will not be in Nashville, right? No, we will not. Uh, but you will, will be, be on the call. We were at Memorial Coliseum on okay. the call and uh, told 
uh, Cal Perry the other night. I said, you know, you, uh, he didn't realize this until I mentioned it. He said, I said, you know, people are hoping this won't be the last time you'll spend four or five days in Nashville. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so they're, they're there from Sunday to Thursday that's afternoon until right. they go over to Knoxville. And, right. Uh, that's about the length of time they'll need to be there in March to make it to the NCAA tournament. Well, maybe this will be good prep time for them to, for, so. for a repeat performance uh, in March. Well, Tom, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Uh, like I mentioned before, you can find Tom's show 9 to 10 before Kentucky Sports Radio on WLAP and in Louisville at uh, WKJ. K1080 and on as Tom said many many stations throughout the nation Tom also tell the listeners in case they don't already know where they can find you have plenty of stuff online where they can find that it's TomLeachKY.com and there's info about where to find the show there and the podcasts are there every day for people who I uh, can't listen live or, or miss it on a on a given day. So yeah, uh, I, I'm a religious li- I'm a religious listener to the podcast because I don't always get a chance to l- listen to the show, but I always try to catch up with it on the podcast. Well, Tom, as always, thank you very much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. You're most welcome. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. Thanks to my guests, Chad Bishop of Vanderbilt Athletics and Tom Leach, the voice of the Wildcats. Remember, you can hear Tom and Mike Pratt on all the UK games. Check them out on the UK Sports Network, uh, just about any place in Kentucky. Uh, Be sure and listen to Tom's show. It's on 9 to 10 in the morning on WLAP in Lexington, 630 and WKJK 1080 in Louisville, as well as assorted stations throughout the state. It's on right before Kentucky Sports Radio, so be sure and give Tom Um, a listen as well be sure and check out all of our coverage of the kentucky vanderbilt game at kentucky.com and the print edition of the herald leader we'll have live updates on kentucky.com during the game after the game you'll have my three takeaways Uh, you'll have plenty of coverage from mark story and jerry tipton and ben roberts you can follow me on twitter john clay iv Remember, you can get a sports-only subscription to Kentucky.com. You get all our U.K. basketball, U.K. football, U.K. recruiting uh, columns by both Mark Story and myself. You get U.K. Um, excuse me, you get all the state high school coverage from Jerry Peck. Go to my Twitter feed, John Clay IV. There at the top, I have a pinned tweet with information about the Sports Pass, uh, sports-only digital subscription. Uh, click on that, and that'll take you right to where you can sign up. It's $30 for the first year. Uh, get all of our Kentucky coverage, everything that's on Kentucky.com. Be sure and check that out. You can do that on the pinned tweet on my Twitter feed, and Twitter feed, and we we sure appreciate everybody who supports our work at Kentucky.com and Arrow Leader. I appreciate everybody who supports the podcast. You can do so by subscribing and leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find them Find this podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcast as well. Again, Kentucky and Vanderbilt, 7 o'clock Wednesday night down in Nashville at Memorial Gym. Plenty of coverage in the print edition of the Herald Leader and online on Kentucky.com. Thanks again to my guests, Chad Bishop and Tom Leach. And thanks to everybody for listening to the podcast. We'll be talking to you again soon.